0: There are lots of podcasts, but so many of them do not feature the voices and stories of young Black women and other young women of color. Please check out Bring Your Own Chair, a unique perspective podcast hosted by Karaya Muhammad-Smith. You can find Bring Your Own Chair on iTunes and Spotify. Greetings. Welcome to Season 2 of Tea, The Educational Architect. I'm your host, Morsalata. This season is dedicated to recovering, mainly because I was finally able to recover five conversations that I recorded in 2019 with some dynamic educators. So I hope you check out Season 2, Recovered Conversations, and maybe even take a peek back at the first season of Tea. So I'm happy to welcome today, I want to say colleague and friend, because we spent a little time together at this awesome professional development opportunity. So I'm welcoming today April Krieger, who teaches English language arts at Union County High School in Blairsville, Georgia, and she has been doing that awesome work for 19 years. So welcome, April. Thank you, Marcella. How are you today,
1: so this afternoon, except?
0: Well, it's evening.
1: <laughs> we're tired.
0: Yes. So, and to whatever day it is, you listeners, whatever time of day it is, listeners are listening to this. Happy, happy that moment. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, we're going to start with your origin story. So, educational origin story, as I say, because I watched too many Marvel movies and everybody has a bunch of origin stories. So, take it away. Mm-hmm.
1: well my origin story has a couple of parts to it but it actually goes back to um six years old and i remember sitting in the lunchroom with my first grade friends steven's first grade classroom and the principal of the elementary school came up behind me and, or put his arms on my shoulders and said april you need to come with me and we proceeded outside and i got back got into a big black car kind of looked like a limousine it was a big cadillac all my cousins are sitting in there and my grandmother was in there, and she proceeded to tell me that my mother had just been killed in a car accident. And for a six-year-old, with lots of crying cousins and aunts and uncles, and then to end up at the hospital in the little chapel, not knowing what was going on, sitting there kind of rocking back and forth, it was, uh, it was daunting, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I knew at that moment it was going to be strength, solidarity. It's going to be a family behind me. I was raised by grandmothers, two grandmothers, um, a dad that worked a lot, but a dad that also struggled with substance abuse because of what had happened. But he still pulled through. We all pulled through. Mm -hmm. Um, My brother was actually in the car accident, 18 months old, and survived. And my great-grandmother was also killed as well. So I watched my grandmother growing up. Grieve, mourn almost herself to death, mm-hmm. so to speak. But still, at the same time, my maternal grandmother was was my rock. Uh-huh. But now, you know, you can look back. Hindsight is twenty twenty, <laughs> and you, you see the you see generational patterns mm-hmm. that have to be broken. And so there were there were times where I was like, here, this is going to be broken now. I'm going to break that. And I guess that ties into education because I grew up pretty fast, Uh but I was shielded from a lot of things as well. I've been in the same community that I went to high school, elementary school, middle school, grew up in. I didn't actually intend on teaching. I went to a small liberal arts uh, college and got an art degree, and then I decided I didn't want to starve at my easel, (laughs) so I transferred to uh, University of North Georgia. And got a straight bachelor's degree in English. Couldn't find any jobs that wanted anybody without experience, uh-huh. so to speak. You know, decided in 2000 to take an interim sub position at our high school. And I subbed about a week for an English teacher. And it was kind of funny because my brother at that time was a senior. And he was doing dual enrollment classes, so I never saw him anyway. He was was totally too cool for high school. Um, And it it all came naturally to him, you know, whereas I had to work for it. And I liked school. I was good at school. When you're good at school and you can do things well, I see a lot of students like that. They just naturally have that knack to do the things. But it also reminds me of the Mark Twain quote, "Um, I'll never let my schooling interfere with my education. Yes. And that one always provokes a lot of thought, a lot of journaling. A lot of debate, and it also depends on what your reg- your definition of those two are, because it could be a semantics thing, but you can spin that both ways. But anyhow, back to this, I digress. <laughs> I was able to kind of get myself into a, a position of the students in the class were like, we like this lady. Who is this lady that's here <laughs> subbing for us? And some parents actually called and told the principal at the time that they really, really enjoyed what I'd done with them. And so I was offered a position, and, you know, it just kind of it clicked. Uh-huh. And I was like, "I'm I'm good at this. I can do this." I also remember playing school when I was younger with my cousins in the back room at my grandmother's house. Always making worksheets and you know, being Miss <laughs> Taskmaster, which I'm totally not in my classroom. I'm I'm very democratic about the way I do things, but also very organically controlling. Uh-huh. I kind of make it look like I know what I'm doing a lot of times. I like it, but I'm also you know I like things to be certain ways symmetrical yeah but there has to be some asymmetry to break it up mm-hmm. i drive people crazy because i'm all over the personality chart you know <laughs> it's like i go home and recharge my batteries but when i'm at school i'm totally extroverted you know and we we do that a lot
0: yes so i appreciate you sharing your story because we don't we see our teachers i mean think about my teachers we don't necessarily, we don't know anything, we just see a teacher. But it's surprising to a lot of people to find out their teachers are introverts. Yeah. And I tell them, this is what I do, so I have to be on mm-hmm. when I see you. But when you said, I go home and recharge. And I didn't know I was an introvert until I looked at Quiet. Mm-hmm. It's a book. And then I started looking at some other things, and it was saying that there are many introverts who do the work of extroverts. Yes. And then the one definition that finally like got me, I'm like, oh, they're like, if you are around people and you feel drained after being around people, you must go away. You are an introvert. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm like, okay, that makes sense. I would joke with my family and friends and I said, I don't like people. I like persons. And I can deal with like at most three persons. Right. But after three persons, they become people. Groups. <laughs> okay, yes. Fine. I'm like, this is enough. <laughs> yes. So yeah, to recognize that's how much you're given that <laughs> you have to go and recharge. Um, and then something else you said in your origin story about your brother and you said it came easy to him. Do you, or you mean like school came easy for, to him? Well, my brother was just naturally,
1: intrinsically smart. Is that the way to say it? He was the stereotypical, I can take this test and ace it. He was totally, I say too cool for high school, but that's actually not it at all. Brother was bullied quite a bit in middle school because he was chubby and he didn't fit in with this or that. He was a gamer and he had a few close friends and it's kind of like Diary of a Wimpy Kid meets small town. Uh. And when the opportunity in our state came open for dual enrollment and he was full-time dual enrollment. He actually graduated from junior college the same year he graduated from high school. Okay. It just wasn't his thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, then moved on and, and he ended up going to Georgia Tech and is doing well and he could probably retire in two or three years and support me as well. So shout well, yeah. out. You just let <laughs> him <a>, did you <laughs> yeah. hear that? This is it's your younger <laughs> brother, right? <laughs> yes. Did you hear
0: that younger brother? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jeremy Duval, we're speaking to you. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you get for being smart. Yes. Exactly. Intrinsically. <laughs> but that's also, in that story, mm-hmm. that the school system that you were in allowed for this child, this young person, a route that fit. Yes. Sounds like a lot of hullabaloo. And today, like we're doing a lot of work, it's like, oh, we need this program, we need that program. Versus, look what this kid wants to do on what they can do. Go do it. Exactly. And get done. <laughs> Yes. But I'm pretty sure there's a bunch of logistical stuff that someone's going to make up, like, why that's hard to do.
1: Yes. (laughs) Always the departments of education. Find ways to put up barriers and to change things. We're really good in the 19 years that I've, you know, I'm very blessed. I love my job. But we're good at taking a package and just rebranding it. Ten years later, the best advice I ever got was he was an old school teacher. I had him in middle or I had him in high school. I got to teach with him for his last two or three years. And I'll never forget, we were sitting in the lunchroom, like my second year teaching, and it was some new curriculum rollout for the state. And he's mid-bite and lunch, you know, and (laughs) I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to do with these? And he was just like, and he used to call me, he called me May. Uh He was like, May, let me tell you something. He goes, you just got to roll with it. (laughs) it's just it's taking something it's just taking something from the past and just putting a new label on it you know who's not to say that there couldn't be something awesome about what you're doing Uh but don't don't sweat it do what you know you know how to do
0: so don't let the package get in the way of you and we're so teaching and learning
1: you're so (laughs) preoccupied with that
0: Yes. And I just find it ironic that your name is April mm-hmm. and for some reason he called you May. Yes.
1: <laughs> Purposefully, I, I think sometimes I think, I, I don't know, maybe he didn't, maybe he forgot. I, I don't know. It's one so.
0: of those months. Yeah.
1: One of those. June? Yeah, June. Know. Too. I know what June. Okay. <laughs> We're having
0: fun here. My last question, though, because you're going back, mm-hmm. is again, you know, having that loss of your mom. And you said your grandmother? My Mm great-grandmother. You know, at any age, but at a young age, but actually still having your family there, you know, I think puts you in another unique place, considering you have spent this time as an educator, to understand all kinds of things that students maybe bring into the classroom that you don't necessarily see, that you may not see for a long time. And then when you do, you're like, why are you just... Why are you like this? Telling me,
1: idiot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Why? Why is this happening right now? Process this.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, and you did have like that strength of your family. All families with all of their flaws, but still coming together and um, working through that. So I appreciate you sharing that. And I know so any kind of loss is forever there, and you're always sort of working through it. But having that decision to not be a teacher. And I've heard a few people, even on a podcast, like, yeah, I wasn't going to be a teacher. I wasn't going to be a teacher either. I was going to be a lawyer. Yeah, that's about it. Lawyer. Actually, first I was going to be a dancer. A dancer first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In high school, I was going to be a dancer and then I was going to be a lawyer. And I had a teacher professor in college was like, nope, you are going to be an English teacher. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I'm like, no. So thank you for that origin story. Mm-hmm. And giving that a sense of, I may come back to it your strength and your ability to, I think most importantly is to see students. Thanks for listening to The Educational Architect. We will return after this brief break. So thank you for that origin story Mm -hmm. and giving a sense of, I may come back to it, your strength and your ability to, and I think most importantly is to see students. I like to say our children. Yeah. And as you know, very, they're there. Yes. And I think our language sometimes gets in the way. When I'm thinking K through 12, I'm always thinking these are our children. Yes. These are our kids. This is our opportunity. Um, Absolutely. And so, and at the community college, mm-hmm. when they come as young adults or 50 year old adults, Again, I try not to use that language of student, 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 because I think it distanced us. The people who take my classes, which is a lot longer than just saying students. But when you say, you know, the people who come to my classroom, I have to see them. Right. And so I think your origin story helps speak to that. Always remembering having that ability.
1: Students so sterile. Yeah. I say kids a lot. (laughs) I don't have kids of my own. But I, you know, and nothing will ever replace having kids of your own. I totally get that. That's something I'm like, got that one. Definitely. However, you know, when you, you're around them constantly and when you invest in them, and I have, I'll admit that wholeheartedly, I've invested a lot in the students. I've had kids at my house. I've opened my home to them before. It takes a village to borrow a oh. cliche.
0: <laughs> but when we actually employ it is not a cliche. Yeah. When we actually do it. Yeah. And... I'm going to disagree with you. Okay, you do have kids of your own. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, because social media oh,
1: definitely doesn't say that very much. You know, the the, the powers that be and the martyrdom, I yeah, echo I echo chambers of this is the way it is, and this is gospel are very. I guess, what makes
0: fun. them our own is bringing them in yeah. and sharing. That's what makes them yours. Mm-hmm. And I have a couple of friends, female friends, who don't have children. And sometimes they're like, you know, I, I waited too late. I should not have. I'm like, and I was like, look, if you had a kid, what would I have done? Yeah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> like, <laughs> I needed someone so I didn't strangle them. Yes. And I said, people with children? I'm like, no, I said, yeah. I'm like, women. I'm thinking about me. And I'm like, people with kids need friends without kids. Right. <laughs> I've been in that position before. <laughs> so yes. we help each
1: other out.
0: Yes. And I'm like, you know, and you always bring them back. So it's not like you really want them because like you can keep them longer. <laughs> <laughs> <And they're like, laughs> are you minutes. home yet? It's been a weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So we need that. And, you know, and I think it goes, it gets the idea of this, like the nuclear family. That's you know, just so much. Ugh. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm like, nope,
1: nope, nope, nope. That was a fad that I, glad wore off and I kind of caught the tail end I was aware of what that was but I was so much not like the way I grew up it was a family but it was different and then of course when my husband and I got married his was totally different you know my dad never remarried Mm -hmm. and he always told us he's like I'll never love anybody but your mother and it's so like heartwarming but at the same time I'm like oh my god now you're such an independent person that nobody can do anything with you so it's like, I'm raising another child yes no but for real you know it's just all of this has been part of becoming who I am and again not to divert but back to the educational part of it it really has affected how I see my students mm-hmm. especially in the last five or six years I've really become attuned to and I don't know if it's this sounds so baby boomerish, but the times they are changing. But I don't know if I've become more in tune with, with our community or if, it, and it's not just kids that have socioeconomic disadvantages. It's not just the kids who have moved here from certain places. It's kids in all of my classes from the highest of the high to the lowest of the low. They have these problems they're facing. They have these, these things that are going on. And I'm like, I'm trying to teach you grammar over here. But for some of them, <laughs> There's some of them you can tell it's like, I need this safe space. Uh-huh. I need a place to rest and school and be good at school, or coming to school and acting out even is saying, please notice me and help me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And or thank you for being here for me. You
0: know? Yeah, because sometimes the lesson of that day or the you know what you achieve in that day mm-hmm. isn't what you had planned. Oh. But it is those are usually the best days. Because I learned. So taking that moment and letting them and be present. Yes, I was talking to someone else on a, a different show, and, and something he said was, "We spend a lot of time or teaching our kids about the past mm-hmm. or getting them ready for the future, mm-hmm. but not really giving them enough time to be here and now and how to be present. Oh, yes, and how to and you know? And for him, it was how to be an active citizen, active. Yes in your community now, you have a voice now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, you're right.
1: <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that too, because that got my wheels turning about something else. One of the things that I wanted to make sure I mentioned, so I'll go ahead and put it in now and I'm not sure we'll come back to it. But. Okay. In my class, I would say about the last six or seven years, um, you know, you have your syllabus and your things and your rules and be be prepared, be polite, be prompt, know the handbook, don't vape, you know, all those things (laughs) that we don't have to do, you know, all those things. But I have three things and it's be proactive, be adaptable, and be resourceful. Those three words, I can fit every lesson. It all comes together. And it's, you know, okay, so we sit here and we talk about life skills, or we talk about what, what you said about being present. Mm-hmm. I had a, a teacher who I had him in his second year teaching, and he just retired this past year. Loved him. Science teacher, you know, I
0: was like, oh, so science makes my brain hurt. Oh, I just, you had him as when you were a student? Yes. And he just retired this year? Yeah, he went ahead and
1: <laughs> 24 years and he was done. Okay. His, his wife retired, and he always said, when she retires, she was a counselor. He was like, I'm going to. Okay. And he's loving it because he's like, He's doing all kinds of chemistry stuff at a local winery and taking cruises and he makes that whole I'm gonna work even if I'm retired thing look like no thank you. Okay. Yeah, you know, but no, be prepared, polite, mm-hmm. or resourceful. resourceful and adaptable. Mm-hmm. How you can fit those into all the all your lessons, you'd be surprised how many kids, you know, when we're we're doing something and oh, we'll we'll be in this whole we have this whole idea. According to Mr. Donahue.
0: Uh, I can't even call him Mark Donahue. It's so hard to do
1: that when you have
0: them as a teacher. And my students do that too. I have a student and I was like, I will always call you Professor Muhammad, no matter what. It's so hard. He's married. Yeah. (sighs) yeah. I was like, hey, Mr. Donahue, Mark. Yeah, it's just weird.
1: But he had a lesson and, you know, a lot of the kids would have chemistry or AP physics right before they'd have my class or whatever. And they'd be like, guess what we talked about in Mr. Donnie's class today, da, da, da. And our lessons would always kind of be cross-curricular, uh-huh. not even purposely. And those are the coolest times, you know, when you don't even have to plan it out and make a lesson plan for the administration to come and watch you teach, <laughs> you know, on some faux lesson plan day, but when like
0: Administration, yeah, you missed it. Yeah, so you should have been there. I digress again. All right. Um,
1: but he said that, um, you know, we're all so obsessed, super obsessed about keeping our kids prepared for the real world. And I get, okay, I get it. I understand in the broad sense of the term, what's being said. But he always, this is what he would actually demonstrate this. He'd be like, Guess what, kids? This is reality. I'm sitting here. This is a desk. You know, this is not some Rorschach test where we're trying to look at something and, and you know, trying to figure it out and piece it together. This is not abstract, it's very concrete. And he said, I'm trying to prepare you for that. I know a lot of that doesn't transfer until later. You know, it's not about analyzing this poem mm-hmm. and, and being able to, you know, pick out every little literary device. Mm-hmm. It's about being able to be responsible the night before something's due and not being so, you know, and we all are. I'm yeah. doing it right now with the class I'm taking. But, you know, <laughs> procrastinating. Or the ability to sit down and adapt and say, all right, well, Ms. Krieger taught me MLA style. I know that I'm going to be an, an English major. and one, you know. We're going to have this class, and we're going to be able to write AP. How do I do that? You learn how to adapt. You use the handbook. You know, everybody is always so up in arms about, why don't we have a life skills class? And I can understand some of those things, because I know not everybody gets all those skills at home. Mm-hmm. But I also think that sometimes we can, if you can take little bits and pieces of those things and, and put incorporate it in. It in yeah. them in. Because studies show just a study skill class. Sucks. Is not, yes. Because it, it it's not no attached to anything. Because it's so... <laughs> It's so nebulous. There's nothing that you can attach it to, and so that lesson, when he said that, just made so much sense to me. And so we explored a lot of that when we looked, you know, we read the allegory of the cave, and you know, the whole idea of forms and reality and uh, knowledge and ignorance, and how you come into this whole idea of knowledge, and you know, you look back at the people who don't have the knowledge. And so when my kids, my white bread kids, sitting in you know Baptist territory their whole life, leave and go out into the world. (laughs) And don't have people that are the same as they are. They are going to have to take those horse blinders off and understand that their worldview is not the only one. That's the biggest thing about my
0: kids. Okay. So we are um, engaged in this very organically because we, Mm -hmm. from your origin story, we just started talking and that was beautiful. Mm -hmm. And, but something you just said, I'm going to let us keep going with this. Um, So knowing that about Mm -hmm. your kids and where they are Mm -hmm. and, what they think is, you know, the world. How do you get them? How do you do? What do you do with the curriculum? Or something I'm, I'm making an assumption like, I don't know how ethnically or racially diverse mm-hmm. your um classroom or your community is, but it sounds like it's as far as class is very diverse or something. I don't know 98% white. I don't know, but I'm talking about, but are they all like is it all middle class? Is it working class? Oh, no, we're
1: a Title like, One school.
0: Okay, so oh, that's the
1: Brewer Dish Lunch is about 70%.
0: Okay, so that's yeah. Something. (laughs) Yes,
1: that is something. Um, Definitely. A median income in my county is about $24,000.
0: Thank you for joining me for this episode of The Tea. We welcome you back for future episodes. I'm Moore Salata Mohammed, your host and producer. The music you heard at the start of this episode was composed by Kasira Mohamed Smith. And until next time, sumum bonum and ubuntu.